everybody. This is episode four of Thrive Happy with Jenny and Kelly. And today we're going to talk about the ins and outs of addiction. So in the late 90s, uh, pharmaceutical companies reassured uh, doctors that um, that patients would not become addicted um, to opioids. So physicians started writing scripts at you know a, a total rapid rate. Uh, and today, um, the U.S. reports that it is costing $78.5 billion annually to, um, to take care of this problem now, this epidemic that, you know, has kind of taken over um, our, our way of life, really. I mean, I feel like everybody's been touched in some way by addiction. Yeah, I mean, and Jen, you you live in the Cleveland area. You see it coming off the, you know, the freeway. Yeah. Um, any of the exits, um, people have signs because it is a huge, huge issue. Yeah. Um, gas stations, panhandlers. Yeah. Oh, Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is real bad. And I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's not real fair of us. I guess to really assume that, that that's what their problem is but unfortunately you know not ev- not everyone um, right but unfortunately i feel like you know but it has increased since the epidemic has increased put it that way absolutely it has for sure um and and you know and you're not even talking about pharmaceutical pills or heroin or crack but even even alcohol Mm-hmm. is an addiction absolutely food is an addiction you know but it's nowadays almost every family has been touched by this topic whether it's yourself or a loved one and i know my has i had my issues with painkillers you know and so when did that start for you um you know i had a bad i had a bad back and i was prescribed through a medical doctor mm-hmm painkillers and I had a, I had a good hold on it and then after my husband passed away more or less after I broke my neck um and I came home that's when it kind of really got out of control more or less because I was grieving mm-hmm. which was had a big part and I couldn't go nowhere because my neck was broken I couldn't go anywhere so I was stuck in my own thoughts right yeah and I used that as a band-aid um and then unfortunately it cost me a lot of grief too, you know? What are some of the things that it that it did end up costing you? Um at the bad point, my kids. You know? Wow. I was temporarily I was temporarily out of order. You know, the first time around after my husband passed away, I had nothing in my system but everybody talked, you know, and then I broke right. my neck and then I thought it was somewhat okay because I had a prescription but I but looking back I was just it wasn't but I was grieving mm-hmm. and when you're like most people you know they go to something to band-aid that pain right whether it's grief or anything you know um and I used that as a coping mechanism you know and I didn't want nobody to know but obviously people after the fact, which was, you know, they found out, um, like I said, cause I was already dealing with CPS and my neck was broken and all that campy so, bullshit too. I don't mean to cut you off 
but I'm curious, how did CPS even get involved then in the first place? After my husband passed away, they ruled it an overdose. Since it was ruled an overdose because of where we lived, mm -hmm. um, the police actually notified them. Notified them. But it's a 30-day process. Yeah. So so was so did your husband die of a, a drug overdose then? He died he died of a heart attack. Okay. But he did have acute um how they worded acute levels. Yeah. It was then he had someone in his system. Okay. But it was a heart attack more or less that killed him. Gotcha. But this, I didn't get his death certificate for 10 months. Wow. Is that normal? Usually three to four or five months. That's normal. I didn't get his for 10 months. I got wow. two in between, undetermined, under investigation. Right. That's what they do. Yeah. So nobody knew at first what he died of, but everybody was really quick to put a label on it yeah but well, and you and you too right. it seems like right right and and like i said at first i had nothing in my system nothing passed hair follicle test passed drug test wait, nothing wait a minute so then when i broke my that, neck so so cps came in and accused you of being on drugs as well as your husband correct and kind of treated you like a complete piece of shit, even right. though even though you were grieving, right. you know, the loss of your husband, which is that, that boggles my mind, actually, to be honest, it really does. Right. Um, and then they find out that you were clean. Yeah. So like, how does that even ha I don't even understand. Like, they closed the case. They closed it. And did they but say then, sorry? No. Well, of no, course no. not. <laughs> and I couldn't even. Here's the crazy part. I talked to an attorney and they wouldn't even give me my negative drug tests. Wow. Now my attorney stated that that is my medical record. I have every right to that. And you do. When I called CPS, they would they refused to give it to me. What were what would what was their reasoning? They never gave me a reason, they just said I couldn't have it. Hmm. When I broke my neck, that's when it came back into play. Okay. Long story short, once you're open with CPS, they're just, it, 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 it is what it is. You Medina, know? Yeah, Medina County, I think is, and maybe they're smaller so they can kind of, I don't know, keep keep track or, or, or even even harp a little bit. Right. It sounds like in your case, I don't know, you know? Right. And you know, like I said, after, I'll be honest, I, after all that, I was, people talked and stuff. I did have stuff in my system that I shouldn't have, which... And was I right for it? No. Was I grieving? Yes. Mm -hmm. Looking back at it, it was a bad idea, horrible idea, and I'm paying for it. Right. Even till now, you know. That's why I'm I'm on the upswing and trying to get in a better spot. But we're all human beings, right? So long story short, after you know, I'm stuck in my thoughts. My kids are were at my parents. Mm -hmm. I had nobody. Right. And I'm trying to learn how to walk again and write again by myself. Wow. I had nobody because everybody turned on me. Right. So what are you going to do? You're going to drown yourself, right? Right. 
Is that the right thing to do? Probably no. not. But, but you're human. So I went through that. And then one day I was just like, this is not worth it no more, you know? And I got clean. And I did it on my own. And I and the crazy part is the CPS people are like, you're gonna have to go to intense rehab. You're gonna have to do this. You're never gonna be able to, you know, uh, quit this. And that it was all negative. Like these people are supposed to help you, right? Yeah. And they did everything they could to make you feel like a piece of shit. And I'm sorry. And 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 we can go back and forth on this all day. And I've talked to many other people who are in the same boat that they played this role where they're trying to help you tell me everything and I did and that was the biggest part of my language that was the biggest fucking mistake I ever made because right. everything I told them they used against me mm-hmm. everything I thought I could now mind you I have no charges on me I've never gotten in trouble and everything I told them they used against me and I'm like I thought you it's a job and family services mm-hmm. and I am I feel for people because I get it mm-hmm. like you think they're there to help you and it's it's they take your t- words and they make you out to be a monster. And everybody and I'm I was a temporary monster. Okay, I'll admit that. But that wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't me at all. I was like that after the fact for a few months, mind you, not years. Right. But he, he people go through stuff, and and people that work at CPS, most of them never have gone through anything. Yeah. Once you're in a spot, and never ever downplay anybody, because you'll never know when you're in that situation. Right. My life turned in the matter of minutes when my husband died. My world flipped upside down. Well, everything I knew was gone, and he died. And for every, for think about it like this: for every thing you tell somebody, think of it like this: for everything you tell somebody, for every one thing you tell somebody, or you decide to tell them. There's probably four or five things that you're not telling them. Like, so you're right. Like they don't, nobody knows what you're going through. Like nobody knows, you know, so I I would urge people to be careful as well with that. Like don't downplay people because you don't know, like you don't, does that make sense? Like you don't know what they're going through. And you know, if they're telling you A, B, and C, think about you know x y and z like you know that these people may have like going on in their lives as well you know like it's not it's not just one one thing doesn't just play a role in somebody's life it's like a story it's a, it's you know what i mean it's right. a, it's a whole meal you know right when that it's, that's what the other part is is people are really quick to assume it's i mean you tell one and it's a telephone game right mm-hmm. when you're a kid you play telephone you played this in like kindergarten first grade right adults are no better because they add shit on there mm-hmm. and that's how rumors get started and rumors ruin people. Yeah. Bottom line. That's why I always say make sure, and I do this real wholeheartedly now, if you're going to say something, it's 100% fact about somebody because you can destroy somebody real quick. Their mm-hmm. reputation, anything, you know? But um, it's the golden rule. Yeah. You know, you treat, I mean, I, 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 there's no other rule to live by, you know, as much as that, that one. I mean, you, it's, it's common sense. You treat people the way you would want to be treated. Right. And that's the crazy part is we are adults. So why, and it's going back to our last podcast. You wonder why kids are so mean to kids. Right. But us adults are just as bad anymore. Right. Well, and kids learn best through modeling. Right. That's how, I mean, you know, they learn 
their, you know, everything through modeling. That is how it's a proven fact. They learn the best through that way. So whatever you're doing at home in front of your kids, you bet your bottom dollar, they're going to mimic you 100%. Right. You know, and like I said, going back to, I had a meeting at CPS and the executive director, whoever he was, I haven't been like, I told his name because he's not here to defend himself, <laughs> called me a straight up liar. Um, and you know what? I'm like, right there, buddy. I, I cannot wait to the day I shove my story in your face and prove this county wrong. Yeah. Because my story might have not started a success, but it will end a success. I mm-hmm. guarantee you that. And then right. for anybody else out there, and I've met numerous people, they're correct. The system is broken. Yeah. Very much so because what what one person does and what another person does, there's no rules really, if you think about it. Right. You know, That's- I've met a few people when I was out in Cleveland and I was and it and it became a real good story. And I'm glad I went because I was gone for six months and I learned a lot and I met a lot of great people and I learned it was almost like um what's that movie? The creative uh, voice of Christmas past with Scrooge, where he's kind of looking at the mm-hmm. Christmas past. He's looking at his life. I've seen a lot of families like I had once, right? Two kids, mm-hmm. husband and wife, and I seen their addiction destroy them. And I try to step in and be like, you have everything I just lost. And yeah. I want to try to fix this. Right. And they didn't get it. Or they they did get it, but it was so hard for me to kind of look at that because everything they had and everything they were grabbing about and this and that, you I lost. And you and you, and yeah, I missed. And you, and you missed. Yeah. You right? Missed, right. You know, and it's, I tried to help a lot of people and, and then that helped me a lot to get through a lot of, you know, by this time I was, I was already clean. So yeah, for, for a long time. Yeah. And just, that was a great, it was, it was a great learning experience because I met a lot of great people and I learned a lot of new things, just how people work and just different social aspects of things. So once you were clean, because I, I wouldn't advise for anybody to try to help anybody, you know, when they're struggling themselves. Correct. Um, right. So once you were able to get your life, you know, sort of back on track and you were clean and you hit that phase of, of, of I guess, your recovery at that point, uh, helping other people is, is part of it. it. It's therapeutic. Helping other people, you know, in in a situation you've been through, you know, with the addiction and things, like it's actually therapeutic for you as well. Right. So it's, it's, it's a win-win for everybody at that point, I feel like. It is. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. And I've talked to a lot of people. I'll call it my touring. That's what I put it as. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, courts mandate IOPs and all this other stuff. And do, and I, and I should go back and say they do help some people. But most of them, but most of them, some of them, it didn't. But I'm, I don't have a degree in therapy, but I've walked the walk, right? Mm -hmm. And I think my story, as crazy as it sounds, kind of touched them. At least sparked something in, you know, because I was just like them. In the the people that you, in Cleveland, like the people that you went and met, yeah, and everything that you're talking about, right? You know, because I was just, I was, you know, it. I was pretty much I was a homeless person just kind of searching for myself and just kind of in a weird way 
cross paths with these people. Well, and they gave you a purpose. Right. You know? Yeah. Which, you know, you don't realize it, but I mean, we all need. <laughs> we all need oh, a yeah. purpose. You know? you know? So, and sometimes we don't find that purpose until, or, or ourselves, until we have completely nothing. Yes, exactly. Because unfortunately, you can't see things sometimes until you hit that point where you're like at rock bottom and then you and then and then you can grow like you can open you know what i'm saying you can take the time you're totally vulnerable exactly right right thank you yes for sure now and so what i was going to say too about cps is you know it's sad to me because you know hearing your story it's you know i you know there's more people out there like that that, oh yeah there's a ton and i've met a lot of people right you know right for sure and i have to say like i you, you know, you guys are in Medina County. I'm in Cuyahoga County. Um, so fortunately for me, my experience with CVS was way better. I mean, they helped me. They were, they were what they say they are. They, they provided support and, um, mine wasn't really necessarily, it wasn't drugs. Um, the reason why they were called, it was the abuse. It was the, the domestic violence and the emotional abuse for me. Um, and apparently because I was moving the kids, you know, back and forth too much, it was starting to affect them. So that's why they called mm-hmm. on me, you know, for me. Right. Um, but nonetheless, when they called and I had them knocking on my door, I had just walked out on, on my husband. I had my two girls and I was addicted to Percocet. And so I was trying to get myself together, and even even before CPS was even in the picture, I was already like looking into programs and trying to figure it out because I actually I had talked to my friend Tina um, on the phone, and I just told her I said I can't do this anymore. Like it's you know, it, first of all they were they were it, it's first of all it's no way to live, and second of all um, you couldn't find them anymore, right. and then you're so then you're sick more than you're well, and. You know, you're driving around with your kid. You know what I'm saying? You're driving around trying to like pick stuff up and like, you know, like I, you don't want that for you. It's just all bad. You know, it's like a dog chasing its tail. Absolutely. Right. So, um, you know, I was literally going and, and I started with the methadone clinic. Oh, Believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, I all did. Right. Um, all right. That was actually, that was an experience. Um, I guess it just depends on where you're at, like with your addiction. I really thought I was like bad. God absolutely sent me downtown <laughs> to show me, you know, you're not great, but you are absolutely not bad. Like, I can't even tell you the addicts that would come up to me and give me, like, they would pass me and give me a look. And then, and some of them would stop and they would say, what are you doing here? Now, let me, let me ask you this real quick. Cause I, I quit cold turkey, right? Okay. Was it a stereotype that was down there, or did you see doc attorneys? Was it an array of different people down there? Not at the methadone clinic. Okay, not at the methadone clinic. Um, so I did the methadone thing because, you know, I'm a single mom at that point, or you know what I mean, so low income, so right. I can, you know, trying to do something that is going to be free, and you know, right. So I go through that program. I wasn't dosed like my first day or anything which kind of sucked for me, but it was a blessing actually looking back. But uh, 
So the first day I was dosed, I went in that morning because, you know, you have to go every day, every single day. So, you know, if you are an attorney or you are, you know, I mean, you have a job anywhere. I mean, you have to go there first. First of all, that is the biggest inconvenience for me. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I would assume for everybody else that would be an so, inconvenience. So you didn't get a prescription as such. You had, you to, had to, to go there. there. Okay. You had right. to go there. And you know, you know, like the juice containers, um, like when you were a kid at Kmart and your grandma or your mom or whoever would take you to get something to eat when they had those eatery things oh, yeah, at Kmart. Yeah, right. And like, you know, the juice, like in the thing, you know? Yeah. That's what, the, that's what it was in. That's what it was in. And they had Dixie cups. <laughs> And they would, they would like pull the lever, like, like if you were pouring some tea or something. Really? And you took it right in front of them and then you just threw your cup out and left. So I did that and I'm driving home and I call my friend Tina and I'm like, woo, I, girl, I am geeked. So you didn't, you didn't have to sit there for a certain amount of time to Mm -hmm. see how the effects were, correct? Mm, You know what? Maybe they they may have, they actually may have made me sit for like five minutes or something or, you know, not enough enough time to have it fully go through the system. All right. So yeah, absolutely. And they, and they let me leave. I mean, everybody that goes there pretty much drives, right? I mean, that's, you know, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way home and I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm feeling good. You know? I, when I tell you I was high, I mean, I was high. I get home and I'm like bebopping around being like stupid because I'm high and like whatever. And then all of a sudden, Kelly, I just throw up everywhere. And it wasn't fun no more. (laughs) It sucked. And um, do you know, I, so you're supposed to get dosed every day. I didn't get dosed again for another two or three days i can't remember but it was it was either two or three days and i wasn't even like going through withdrawal isn't that's crazy right so after that third day or that second day whatever i go back in and i say i tell them i want to see the doctor so i walk into the office and you know i see the doctor and i say to the doctor i i would like a decrease (laughs) he laughed at me he said, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to laugh at you. He goes, but do you know how often that I get patients coming through this door for a decrease? He said, it's never happened. More of the times. It's You're the first. Increase, probably. Oh, it's always an increase. Always. And um, I said, really? I said, well, um, yeah, not me. <laughs> not this girl, man. So he did. He decreased it. So I went downstairs where you had to go and I was dosed that day and I left. Driving home, I'm high as a kite again. Get home, same thing. Be bopping around, cleaning, like just doing stuff. I throw up. After that, I I remember I called my friend Tina and I said, look, I said, I'm done with this. I said, and I told her, I said, please, please don't think I'm done. I said, I'm not, I'm going to figure this out. I said, but I just don't feel like methadone is for me, you know? And she said, Jenny, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, I'm support, I am, I support you 100%, you know? Um, so after that, I went home and I started looking up like Suboxone doctors and I, I went the Suboxone route, but you know, that's addictive too. Right. So now there, that's my struggle now is, you know, trying to figure out how to get off of Suboxone. Now I literally only take a crumb, a crumb, like literally a crumb, Kelly. 
And for some reason, if I don't have that crumb, you can feel it. Oh, when I tell you I feel it, I'm in bed. I mean, I'm like, I'm like tossing and turning. I get restless leg syndrome. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm, you know, sweating. I'm chilling. I'm like, it's crazy. It's. And why don't you explain a little bit of what Suboxone, what it does? So Suboxone is, gosh, you put me on the spot kind of. So it, it's two medications, right? It's a combination, I believe, of two. I know naloxone. Yeah, linoxone and what else? Oh my gosh, what else? What, you know what? I'm not really sure. But it but it blocks but it blocks the receptors. Okay. The opiate receptors. Yeah. So if you wanted to go and let's say get high on fucking like, heroin, it would block it. It would block it. So it's that's what that is. If people don't know what suboxone is. Right. Now suboxone I believe that I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe that uh, if you were, so if you were to take Suboxone and then do heroin, I believe you would even get sick. Like you would get, you know, from the, the, yeah, like just like, you know, I don't know if you would throw up, you know what I mean, throw up, just get physically ill. Now I know, I know from talking to people in the past, I know if you do a Suboxone, um, or if you do heroin or an opiate and you take a Suboxone too quickly, that can throw you into a horrible Yes. Yes. Right. That I've heard. I've never gone through it. Okay. Um, I know some people that take Suboxone, they, it's like a crutch. Like it's, it's like, um, you know, they, they take Suboxone when they can't get Percocet or they take Suboxone when they can't get heroin or whatever, you know, but they, they're not using it for the right reasons. Right. They're only using it so that they're not sick or whatever. Me, I, I just never, I, you know, my mind, like, I guess my mindset wasn't there you know at that point my mindset was on my two girls and my well-being you know and getting getting because let's face it i mean if mom's not okay kids like nobody's okay you know right ultimately really ultimately yeah i mean i have to be okay or else yeah i mean the world doesn't function in my house i mean it is what it is you know so so yeah um you can't build a House on a cracked foundation as such, right? And, oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I say that a lot um, about other things too. But um, so yeah, I'm still on Suboxone actually, like I said, and and I I know um, I've talked to like my the um, the secretary in, in my doctor's office, and she had mentioned something about you have to like trick your body, so you you know you take your crumb, you know Monday morning, and then Tuesday morning you wouldn't. And then Wednesday morning, you would take, you know, maybe a little tiny bit of a bigger crumb. And maybe even Wednesday, you take a little bit, you know, bigger crumb. But then Thursday, it's like you have to trick your body into not, you know, going through, but I've yet to try it. Cause I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that kind of scares me. I guess maybe being sick. Um, But that's like, that's my next step, I guess. It would be that to get off well, of that. You have to have the, but see, it has to be timing too. I mean, life is life and you never know yeah. what's going to happen, right? So, the last thing you really probably want to do is be something's always occurring. Yeah, especially for sure. when you're, you have two kids, two teenagers, too, especially. You know, for sure. I would say, too, um, you know, if you are, you know, thinking about getting help going into treatment, um, I would say that, you know, if you do go the Suboxone route, 
make sure that you still, you know, go to AA or, um, you know, I know my church in Middleburg Heights, um, it's called Grace Church. Um, you know, they have a, um, like an addiction, like a support. Yeah. Like a, a group that meets, I believe it's every Tuesday. Um, and they actually start together and then they break off. So like, you know, if you're codependent, like all the codependents will go into one, you know, area and all the alcoholics, or if you have a food addiction. So like they really do touch, you know, and so I know Grace isn't the only church that does that. I I would check your, you know, check your like local resources. Cause I would say that, you know, I'm sure like a lot of places do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, especially now there's a lot of groups out there, a lot of churches, um, even AA. I mean, if, if worse comes to worse. Like, and then they have an NA. Narcotics are not anonymous also. That's true. Good point. You know? So there is help out there. Um, There's help. You know, I would just say that, you know, you have to want it and what you have to welcome it and you have to be serious about it. And, you know, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, with the support that you have, you know, you will establish around you. You know what I mean? Um, and in your own willpower, your own, you know, you have to remember who you were before this. You know, I guess it's it's easy for people to, you know, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's so easy to say that. I can't, I can't. But, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, you just got to stop saying you can't and you just got to do it. Yeah. And just remember you're not alone. You're right. You're absolutely not alone. Unfortunately. All right. Well, that is the end of our fourth. second. Well, no, it is. Our, oh, sorry, our fourth podcast, right? Yep, fourth one. Second, like, like true one, right? Yep. So thanks, everybody.